the more that it boils down to watching a clip of a message in a 60-second social media post, the more that we're moving away from what the church is really all about, which leads to less of an impact of the church in our community because we're losing our collective gathering ability to minister because we could do more when we're together than we can on an individual basis. We talked about how this led to the early church to see people, to reach people as sinful people in sinful situations because they need to be rescued from their sin. And we learned that every person is needing rescued from sin because we're all sinners. No matter what we've done, big or small, no matter what our religious background, we're all sinners. None of us are righteous, and so we need to be saved from our sins. And so I think that this just shifts our mindset of rather than inviting people to church because it's, it's a fun, cool place to be or, or come to church because we get to uh, learn some good things about making our life better or it's a place where we can feel good about ourselves, which are all true, yet our main primary purpose is making sure that people know who Jesus is and his substituting sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins as the only way of salvation. That's a different mindset. And doing things God's way is really what leads to a life that's fulfilling and a life that's full of joy. And so today we're going to look at what I think is another essential guideline for the church, something that needs to be trained and taught and learned, and that's to how to raise another generation of Christ followers. And this goes right along with our theme of tag, you're it. The truth is that you and I won't be around forever. There's going to be coming a time where we need to tag someone else to do what we need to do long before we need a replacement. And this is more than just doing, having someone do what you do. It's, uh, it's more of just making sure that the next generation is filled with Christ followers. And so that the next generation, they know a lot about the God that we claim to know and the God that we claim to follow. And that's why it's, I think it's important that we talk about that here on Mother's Day. When it comes to holidays in the church calendar, I'm not sure if you know this, but Mother's Day is the third most attended holiday of the year behind Christmas Eve and Easter. Mothers are excited about getting their families to church on, uh, on Sunday. And unfortunately, that's not true for fathers. <laughs> it's one of the least attended holidays of the year. Dads are often fine with going fishing or golfing or barbecuing some meat. But there's biblical examples of mothers being spiritual influences at home, such as with Timothy, with his mom and his grandmother, Eunice and Lois. There's also biblical examples of an entire household coming to know Christ because of a single woman, such as in Acts chapter 16, we hear about Lydia. But the Apostle Paul also talks about spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers beyond those who are biological fathers and mothers. Paul calls Timothy and Titus his true sons in the faith. They were not his biological sons. In fact, in other places, he referred to them as brothers. And so if those were true, that'd be a weird family tree to draw. But so today I kind of want to look at one of the contexts of that Paul's writing to one of these true sons in the faith, and that's in Titus chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, turn over to Titus chapter 2. We're going to look at the first eight verses. We're going to look at who's doing the tagging, who's participating, 
What is it that they're training and teaching? And why do they do this? Why is this such an important thing to communicate? Titus chapter 2, and if you're using one of the Bibles and the chairs in front of you, this is on page 1058, pretty much towards the end of the Bible. Titus 2, starting in verse 1, says, But you are to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching. Older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect, sensible, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to excessive drinking. They are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, workers at home, kind, and in submission to their husbands, so that God's word will not be slandered. In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach, so that any opponent will be ashamed because he doesn't have anything bad to say about us. Now, in verse 1, when, when Paul says to Titus to proclaim things consistent with sound teaching, he's saying communicate on how people need to live according to solid beliefs about God. Because their actions are going to portray or going to paint a picture of who God is to those around them. Their actions will either affirm or deny truths about God. Your actions, your words will either affirm or deny beliefs about God. Now, this comes in contrast from how he ends in chapter 1, that there were some who were claiming to know God, and yet they were denying the God of the Bible through their actions. And Paul has some pretty harsh words for these kinds of people. The truth is that we all know there are some people who say they believe in God, and yet in practice, in what they say and in what they do, it doesn't really back that up. Based upon their speech and their actions, God is really not accurately represented. In fact, it seems like maybe God doesn't even exist. We've had these discussions before, this balance between works and faith. Salvation is not based upon works. It's based upon grace. And yet our faith cannot exist outside of giving some evidence, having some action. A true faith in God is going to flow out of our lives in multiple different ways. Peter talks about how we need to add to our faith goodness and knowledge and self-control and endurance and love. And we've talked about these up to a series before Easter. The book of James challenges its readers that without works, your faith is dead. We're going to come back to that towards the end of the message. But we're going to look at some of these examples of what we are to be training ourselves in. What are we supposed to be teaching one another in? And I think there's more than just what's listed here. If we continue in the chapter, there's more things that you and I need to do. And then there's 259 other chapters in the New Testament in which we can read and learn more things about what you and I need to do. Which 
for me, that's showing the importance of being in church every week as much as possible, being a, a part of a small group Bible study and reading the Bible on your own as well, because there's a lot for us to learn. Paul's addressing the typical groups within a family unit, older men, older women, younger women, younger men. And then if we go on, he's talking about slaves. And there's certain things that Paul seems to repeat in each group because it benefits each group, such as being self-controlled. He mentions that several times. While others seem to be very specific, like older women teaching younger women how to love their husbands. We'll also notice that some of these groups seem to have longer lists than others, such as older women, which are encouraged younger women in about seven different areas, while older men are to encourage younger men in one. Now, it doesn't mean that women have more to learn and guys got it all figured out. I think it shows the uniqueness of women and men. Women are often multitaskers. They can take on a lot. For guys, we're singularly focused. Just tell me one thing that I need to do. If you give us three things, we're going to be confused. It's going to get all messed up. If you give us three steps, we're going to skip step two. We're going to go from one to step three. So just give us one step at a time. I don't know if you, I put some things together sometimes, and then I come to a point where I'm saying, oops, I missed something. I got to take it all apart, fix what I, and then put it back together. Anybody else do ever do that, right? So one thing we get to do, guys, and if we can accomplish that, we're well on our way to doing good. So let's look at a few of these things. The first one I want to look at is self-controlled. Being self-controlled, some of your versions of your Bible may say being sober, sober-minded, or being calm. This is mentioned at least three times in this passage, and I can... I think it's mentioned even more times than that if we talk about how women are to be self-controlled with alcohol. Uh, the word sensible also means to be controlling our senses and our impulses. Self-control is a huge marker of being godly. It's the only thing that we talked about being mentioned to younger men. And young men, if you can get a hold of self-control you would do yourself a huge favor on your way to being mature because the world without God is telling you to do whatever you want, whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you think you have a better life, do that. Paul told the church in Corinth who were doing all sorts of crazy wild stuff that their bodies were a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. Their bodies did not belong to them. Jesus died on the cross in their place and their bodies belonged to him. Therefore, glorify God, honor God with our bodies. Paul says to Timothy, those who have no self-control are like those who love themselves more than they love God. They're often defined as being unloving, ungrateful, reckless, and rude. They don't control their tongues, they don't control their thoughts, and they really don't want to control their behaviors. Being self-controlled takes a lot of effort, not only when you're young, but when you get older as well. We can be more reluctant when we get older or more less self-disciplined because we could say, well, this is who I am. I've been this way for years. I'm not going to change now. Or it may be difficult to change after years of developing bad patterns of behavior. We need to be self-controlled around our finances, how we spend our money, 
self-controlled about our time, what do we do with our time, self-controlled with our passions, self-controlled with the foods we eat, self-controlled with our emotions, our anger, our worries, our anxieties, our impulses, and our wanting to withdraw from conversation. Being in control is being in control of yourself rather than allowing something else to control you. And so I don't think it's any coincidence that we see self-control listed over and over and over. Be self-controlled. It's a huge issue. Two, says worthy of respect. This is having character worthy of honor and dignity. Now, the Bible talks a lot about honoring and respecting our elders because there are elders. We need to honor our mother and our fathers because there are mother and our fathers. So honor them, respect them. Some of us might have struggles with honoring our fathers and our mothers because they make it pretty darn difficult. <laughs> Sometimes they don't act like older, wiser, dignified, respectful individuals. And so this may be an area of us so practicing self-control and humility. But Paul's speaking to older men here. And I think he's also speaking to older women when he talks about uh, uh, reverent in behavior, that they need to be worthy of receiving that honor and respect. It should fit. They are to reflect being older, reflect being wiser. They should resemble being polite and considerate and thoughtful and stable and secure and so on. Older men and older women should resemble being self-controlled, and they ought to be able to teach that out of their own experience, not just because what they know to do right, but actually living it out. It doesn't mean that the older person or has to be perfect or they never make any mistakes, so they have life all figured out. Each decade, I think, comes with a new challenge in life, and you've got to figure that out as an older person. But respecting elders... They recognize that there's going to be a challenge, and they've worked through some of that, and, and they want to uh, show young people how to, how to navigate the next phase in life. They don't look at young people as being naive and immature, but they come alongside them and guide them along the way. Also, we could see that there's this aspect of being sound in faith and love and endurance, and this means that they're really healthy in these areas of faith, healthy in areas of love, healthy in endurance. They practice these things. They're, they're kind of better at them than they were when they were younger. Paul lists this for older men. But again, I think Paul transitions to each group by saying, in the same way, do this. And so we, this is really for, for all people. We can lump in ideas of being kind, uh, loving their husbands and their children. These are ways to express being sound in faith and love and endurance. When it comes to older men and women, I think this helps being uh, worthy of respect. When I think of someone who's older and more mature, I think of someone who's more grounded in their faith, more knowledge of God's word, more apt to see the bigger view of God's word in light of God's will and overall plan. We trust God's timing. We trust God's desire that he's going to work out good things in bad situations. We point to God as the source of our resilience and younger people, I think, find it extremely helpful to hear these stories of what we've been through and how to mature as Christ's followers. There's some things in, in life, 
in which generation after generation, some of the lessons are still the same, even though the situation may be different. I mean, as the pastor of family, sometimes I feel so out of touch with all the new parenting gadgets and apps and all these things that are out there. But there's some lessons that are always the same. Things that I learned raising my children and, and parents who have talked talk to me who have been parents 50 years ago. Some things never change. Parenting has always been a challenge. <laughs> right? Marriages have always been a challenge. Right. Good, it's not just mine, okay. <laughs> Dealings with pressures, the life, things in life, it's challenging. They never go away. And so we need to be grounded in faith and love and endurance. Another thing we can point out here is not slanderers, not slanders. This has to do with talking bad about someone, not being a malicious gossip. It's having false statements about someone that's meant to do them harm or tear down their reputation or have their view of them in someone else's eyes different. A slander is one who's going to tear a person down. Sometimes they want to do it so they can look better themselves or they want to look like the innocent party in the situation. They're really saying, I can't believe what that person did or what they said because I would never be like that. What we see in all of these things, and we could talk about all of these, we can break them all down, but there's a couple things that I, I don't want to miss. And one of them is looking at who. Who is doing this? Who's participating in all of these things? Before we even get to the younger women and the younger men, Paul's addressing the older men and the older women. And I think that, that there's a reason he did that. Because it's hard for us to encourage younger men and younger women if we haven't lived out these things ourselves. We've got to put these things to practice. Now, it doesn't mean that a young person is without excuse because they don't have a good role model in their life. It's, it's not an excuse for an older person because they didn't have a good role model in their life when they were growing up. Because the truth is that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've already been tagged with the Holy Spirit who lives within you. And the same God who gave life to mankind breathed life into his word. And this word can teach us and guide us and correct us and train us and equip us to do these things. If we're committed to put the effort in, to be controlled, self-controlled every day by his spirit. To be calm and to be grounded in truth. To hold on to faith. To learn how to love in times of being unappreciated. To show up when we don't feel like it. To stop making excuses and set God as a priority. To develop some willpower to get a hold of our fleshly desires. To be accountable to someone. To yearn for the power of God. So that no one can say anything bad about us. And against the God that we claim to follow. So first of all, you and I are challenged to train ourselves in this area. As older men and older women, we're challenged to, to do these things, to put this into practice. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't help a younger person until we've got it all figured out, because that's never going to happen. But I think there is a certain level of maturity that needs to happen in order to encourage the younger ones in these areas. But it does involve the older and the younger coming together in order to talk about these things. It's something that here at the church we're trying to do more and more, including the younger folks. You can see it here on this morning. They're, the, they're running the whole show this morning. Amazingly talented. 
And there's always areas in which we, we want to strive to do better at that. You know, I'm very proud of all the young adults that we have here. They show up to Monday night and Wednesday night, and they encourage junior high students, they encourage senior high students in their walk. But sometimes I look around at the youth group, and, and it's not a knock because there is some there, but I kind of wonder, where are those who have been walking in the faith for like 30, 40, 50 years? There's some there, but I think we need more. I know Ken would be amazed if, if we had someone to say, how can I get plugged in, Ken, with, with the youth and encourage the young women and the young men? I can guarantee you, it's not like the church you grew up in. But it will make a huge impact, and it will make you feel good about your journey. I think it'd be amazing to have two or five seniors become a part of the young adult launch ministry. You don't have to show up every Monday. You don't have to go rock climbing unless that's your thing. But being a part of their planning sessions, having their contact information, being able to reach out to them, encourage them in their journey and what they're going on is huge. I think it'd be amazing to have two or five young adults participating and helping out teaching down in Kids Connect. Because I think there's about one or two that are down there. I think it'd be great to have two or five senior high students helping down in Kids Connect. And I think there's only one or two down in Kids Connect <laughs> who does that. The whole point of this is that education was not just a family issue, not just fathers and mothers to teach their children, but it really was a whole community coming together and investing in raising the younger. To be an encouragement means to come along one side. It's not being bossy. It's not being condescending. It's not saying, I would have done better this way. It's really come alongside of them and encouraging them, talking about your journey. It's really walking up to a mom today and saying, hey, you're doing a good job. And you may not even know the story or their situation at all, but they got up this morning, they got dressed, they got their whole family here, right, on church on Sunday. We need to thank moms. Well, why do we do this? Why, why is this so essential for the church? Why is it essential for the older men to work on training yourself in this way? Why is it so important for older women to do these things and to teach younger women? And why is it so important to teach younger men these things? Why do we strive in being self-controlled? Why do we work on being sound in faith and love and endurance? And why do we watch our mouth? And Well, there's two main reasons in this passage. One is so that God's word will not be slandered, and two, that opponents of God will not be able to look at us and see anything bad. They'll be put to shame. And we remember that our priority is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our priority. We want other people to know the life-giving forgiveness found in Christ. That's our hope. That's our purpose, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that our lives will be more satisfied as you and I work on doing that in life. You and I really don't want to be the reason why someone's considering about Christ, but then they look at our lives and say, meh, doesn't seem worth it. They look at our life and it doesn't reflect the life that's spent with an amazing, loving, compassionate, forgiving, powerful God. People want to see change in our life. 
They want to see the power of God work in our life. And that happens as we strive towards being more self-controlled, being sound and grounded in love and enduring through hard times. There's a lot of things that you and I need to work on as a community of a church, but we don't do it alone. You're not alone. I'm not alone. We're doing this together as a community. That's why we're saying it's tag. You're it. To do it together. Striving. How to train each other and how to train another generation to be Christ followers so that we can Think about the future of Christianity and know that there are people who know God, the same God that we claim to know, the same God that we claim to follow, that there's another generation that is sound in faith and love and endurance where they can teach another generation to be sound in faith and love and endurance and so on. But it begins with us. So let me pray. God, thank you so much for your word. We know that it's a challenge. These things on how, how to live a life that glorifies you, it's not an easy road. It's not easy to do. And we don't claim to, to, to strive towards perfection because we know that that's not possible. We know that it's not about works. It's, it's not about putting on a fake smile. It, it's about having a passion and a yearning to convey you an accurate picture to you, to our neighbors, to our coworkers. And each of us are challenged in particular areas in which we need to work harder on through your power. Help us to do that as a community as well as individually. In your son Jesus' name we pray. The worship team is going to come up. We're going to close out service. In